on this episode of Humans with Hans, I sit down with Caroline studying violin performance at Juilliard. She shares what it took to get to such a high level and what she plans to do in the future. Welcome back to Humans with Haunts. Today, I am joined by Caroline, uh, Caroline Durham. I believe that's how you pronounce your name. Um, <laughs> obviously, I am Haunts, the host of this podcast, and I'm grateful to have Caroline here. It's sort of a workaround. She is currently dating one of my MTC companions. So I was in a tripanionship in the MTC, me, John Patrick and Benjamin Bowers and Caroline's dating John Patrick, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> It'd be awkward if you weren't dating at this point, but okay, that's okay. Um, and so I connected with Caroline through John. I'm, that's how I know her. And she has a pretty unique story and, and is at a unique time in her life. Um, Caroline, for those listeners that don't know you personally, don't know where you're at, maybe provide some background. Okay. Yeah. So like you said, my name is Caroline. I am currently studying um, violin performance and neuroscience at Mm. a dual degree program um, between Columbia University and Juilliard. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's in New York. So I'm in (laughs) New York right now. I've been here for like a week moving in. Yeah. That's special. And and initially you're from Utah, right? Yeah. Okay. And you're going in, this is your junior year in that this, program? This will be my senior year at Columbia, but I'll still have two more years um, at Juilliard. Okay. Gotcha. And, and I mean, that that's super unique. You know, there's very few people in this world that can say they've gone to Columbia, you know, very well-known, well-respected. And then Additionally, there's very few people that can say they went to Juilliard, one of the most well-known music schools, I'd probably say in the world. Um, And so obviously you have that sort of background. Um, This is a relationship podcast, a a podcast based off relationships that define us. For you, what's a relationship that has really defined your life? I mean, I would say music is... I mean, I started violin when I was like four, so it's probably the most consistent thing that I've done with my life so far. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And I mean, that was initially why I reached out, obviously. Um, <laughs> and, and and I think that's that's something special. I mean, music's been a pretty big part of my life, not to the extent of yours, but my family just really likes music. I've had piano lessons, I've done trumpet stuff like that, mm-hmm. but to be able to stick with something, you know, ever since you were four shows a lot of commitment for you. You you talked about how you started as a four-year-old. What did that look like? Was this like in your family, were you like the golden child of doing this or was this pretty normal to start instruments at four? Um, I think it was pretty normal. I don't think my parents um, realized how young kids started instruments until after they started my brother on piano, I think he started when he was like six. Mm-hmm. But the reason why they started me so early is because I would sing a lot and they realized that I was like singing pretty in tune for like a three-year-old. And so <laughs> I guess they just picked an instrument, but then they also started my sister 
um, when she was also four, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's a bit of background in your family for being very musically inclined. Um, what does that sort of the, the relationship growth look like? You know, you started out four, now you're at Juilliard. What did sort of that process of going through that, what, what did that look like for you? I mean, there were definitely like ups and downs in different stages. I would say, at least from what my mom tells me about when I was really young, is that I just liked to like perfect things. So <laughs> like violin, there's a lot that you have to perfect. So I would just, I think I was kind of motivated as a kid to like make something sound really good. And I thought it was really satisfying to have it sound really good. And then as I got older, um, I started like really falling in love with pieces and um, having fun playing with other people. And I mean, like in high school, I had kind of like a lull in how motivated I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I like switched teachers and that kind of motivated me more. And switching teachers is really what kind of got me to the level that I needed to be to get to Juilliard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to Juilliard. So <laughs> that was not. <laughs> yeah. Now you're just sitting pretty. Um, <laughs> so that's in So do you remember your first violin lesson as a four-year-old? I remember walking into the first violin lesson. I don't remember what happened in the violin lesson. <laughs> <laughs> when do you feel like violin really started to make, really started to impact your life? When do you really like take that as a core memory? I mean, maybe obviously starting violin is, is part of that core memory, but was there a moment or time you talked about like falling in love with pieces versus perfection? What did that transition look like? And, and when was that? Um, I think probably the um, thing that stands out to me the most is I remember going, I was like nine years old. I went to a concert. I think it was actually at BYU, but um, there's this famous violinist named Hilary Hahn and she was playing a concert. I can't remember what orchestra it was with, but it was at some hall at BYU and she played the Tchaikovsky violin concerto. And I just remember like being so amazed at that piece. Cause I'd never heard it before. Yeah. Um, it was just so beautiful. And so I, my mom bought me like a CD of Hilary Hahn playing that. And I would listen to it like every day for like years. And I would beg my violin teacher. It's like famously like one of the most difficult violin concertos. So I was like nine years old and was going to like my violin teacher and asking her if I could play Tchaikovsky. And she kept telling me like, no, you can't do that yet. Um, But yeah, I think that was the first time that I really fell in love with a piece. And I think music like that is what started motivating me to want to perfect things more and play more. Yeah. I, I mean, have you played that piece now? Has I that, have. Has, is that in your repertoire now? Okay. Is, yeah. <laughs> that's good. It's good to know. I'm, I'm glad you accomplished that. That That's crazy to me as a nine-year-old, you're able to sort of recognize the quality and the beauty of the music and have that strong desire, desire to really learn that. Now I'm, I, I'm curious, would you consider yourself like, a prodigy in when it comes to violin? No, I wouldn't. I think lots of people 
I would consider prodigies to be like there are like seven year olds who are winning like international competitions. I was not that at all. Like right. I I was very much like I think I was talented when I was younger and I think I had um a lot of things going for me, but I wasn't like winning international competitions or anything crazy. I yeah. I only started getting really good in high school. So I wouldn't say I'm a prodigy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that I, I it provides some good context. Cause I feel like a lot of people, they always compare themselves to people that are better and mm-hmm. not saying you're not good. Obviously you're great, but it's important to recognize that there is a lot of effort and work for you. What did that effort and work look like? Um, so when I was younger, when I was little, I would probably practice maybe like an hour and a half a day until probably sixth grade or seventh grade. Um, and that's when I started doing like state level competitions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then as I got into junior high, I would start doing like three or four hours a day. And then high school, like college auditions, I would start doing like four to six hours a day. Um, yeah. but now in college, it's gone back down. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, I hear four to six hours a day and I'm baffled. I mean, that, that, that took up outside of, I mean, obviously you went to classes cause mm-hmm. you know, you had school, but that took up most of your time. Was that hard? Was it hard to maybe see your friends doing things or your friends maybe having a job or doing other activities? Cause it seemed like, were you able to do any other activities outside of a violin? Yeah. So I didn't have a ton of extracurriculars. I, I had, I had some when I was like junior high, beginning of high school, I played basketball and tennis, mm-hmm. but like very quickly when I started having to think about college auditions, so probably like junior year of high school, I had to basically quit everything um, and just focus on violin in school so, yeah, when I started doing that, my friends started getting kind of frustrated with the fact that I was never available. Um, and it sometimes makes me a little sad that I didn't kind of let myself breathe a little more because watching my little sister go through high school and like she has a job and she gets to like hang out with friends and do a bunch of stuff. Um, like, I think that there's definitely something to be said for you know, like relaxing. Yeah. How, how do you sort of in your mind, how do you sort of reconcile that this idea of maybe a a bit of regret, like a tinge of regret of maybe dang, it could have been a little bit different. Do you just like look at yourself and then be like, yeah, but I'm at Juilliard. So screw that. Like, how do you sort of like move past those feelings of like, it could have been different. Yeah. I think my relationship with like my workload versus social life is always kind of evolving. So Mm -hmm. I like in college, for example, like sophomore year, I mean, it was COVID year anyway. So I knew I wasn't really going to have much of a social life because I was at home doing Mm -hmm. online learning. Um, I wanted to see like how much I can do. So I took some really hard classes and practiced and basically like did nothing but study and practice. Um, but junior year, I came back here and I decided that I wanted, I mean, moving to New York and like being away from your family is like 
hard enough on its own. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to like, you know, have like, remember college is like a positive time in my life. <laughs> so I decided to like scale down on my academics and kind of focus a little bit more on um, like developing relationships with people. And so I think like looking back on high school, I think what I learned in high school and the regrets I have in high school definitely um, kind of guide how I act now and how I organize my time now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Sort of that the growth and the the progression of the relationship with music is definitely very apparent Uh, for you. You mentioned previously sort of ups and downs in a relationship, especially with music. And I know for me personally, you know, I ended up quitting piano after like four or five years because I got sick of it. I ended up quitting trumpet after like three years. I'm a big quitter. Um, But for you, you talked about maybe a high point of being like when you first fell in love that piece, when was a low point? Was it, was there a point where it was, you really struggled to keep going and it was really maybe the pressure of your parents or, or the pressure of your teacher? What was maybe a hard time in that progression of getting to this level of excellence that was hard? I mean, honestly, there, there have been quite a few low times, but <laughs> I think my first really hard time that I had with violin was probably my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. I, um, just like could not make myself practice for some reason. So like eighth grade, I was practicing like three to five hours. And then ninth grade, I could like barely make myself do like an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, and I like look back on recordings at that time and I was just like so bad. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I mean, I think what really got me out of that is that, um, so the teacher that I had at that point, she's amazing. And like, I'm so glad I had the opportunity to study with her, but she was, she's just like a very, very nice person. Hmm. And, um, the other students in her studio, like, weren't really looking to go into music. So it was like a little bit, maybe of like a lower level. And so there's this, there's, um, this program in Salt Lake city called the gifted music school. And, the violin teacher there um, kind of runs it and you have auditions every year. And then every Saturday you go in and you do orchestra and you take lessons from him and um, his students, like he has a track record of students going to like Juilliard, um, another music school, Colburn um, and Curtis and those um, places. And so like we knew he was good yeah, but I think what really pushed me was being around other people who were like just like leagues better than I was at the time. Um, and also he had a way of motivating me that was like he was nice and kind and he wasn't he didn't like put you down to motivate you, but he definitely like has this way of wanting making you want to impress him and like mm-hmm. really not wanting to disappoint him. So I think. <laughs> that kind of helped me get back on track yeah I'm curious you know you I think especially when it comes to I mean any relationship there has to be some sort of motivator some sort of desire and drive and I think a relationship with a hobby such as music that's more apparent than ever your parents initially prompted and and had you start these lessons do you feel like they sort of 
pushed and pressured, not to say they pressured you in a bad way, but they sort of pushed you into this. And then maybe at what point did it sort of become your thing versus your parents thing? Or was it maybe always your thing? What did that look like? Um, yeah, when I was little, I mean, compared to uh, like, especially parents here at Juilliard, a lot of them are kind of insane. My parents are like very chill in comparison. Yeah. And hopefully even, they're listeners. Hopefully they're listeners. <laughs> um, like when I was young, I would, it would, practicing would be treated kind of like a chore. Like mm-hmm. I would have to finish practicing before I would go, could go like play with friends or whatever. Um, but I think when I got to junior high, I started, like they would never like require me to practice five hours a day. Like that is not something they would ever make me do. I think what my mom did was kind of like, she would hear what I wanted to do with it. And then she would help me um, stay on track with that. So if I wanted to like, there's this competition salute to youth and youth guild in Utah. um, And if I wanted to get to that level, she would kind of try and help me do the amount of practicing that I needed to do. Um, to get there, but that wasn't um, needed a ton, especially later in high school. So, yeah, I think they, I mean, they sort of pushed me at the beginning, but they've never really pressured me to go into music if I didn't want to. Right. I, I like that. I, and I think that's, I mean, obviously you'd know better than me in terms of other students there at Juilliard, but I, the people that really succeed, it seems like from my perspective, that really succeed not only in music, but in anything in life is there has to be that self-motivation, that self-drive to do better, to try new things. And, and like you said, maybe impress the teacher. And when you recognize how far from the top you are, that personal motor gets going and, and, and pushes you to the top. Um, for you, I mean, as we sort of wind down here on time, Obviously, we talked about how in high school, this started to affect some of your other relationships. Was there any specific relationship that this relationship with music, like maybe affected really in a negative way or maybe affected in a positive way that created a new relationship that wouldn't have been possible without music? Is is there one of those two sides to this relationship that you could maybe explain or share a story about? I mean, there's definitely some on both sides. I would say it in high school, it probably had a, a negative impact on my relationship with my sister. First of all, because if I practiced early in the morning, I remember I once was practicing bar talk, which is not pretty, um, <laughs> but like 6 a.m. And my sister like comes out of her room immediately starts crying and then like slam the door. Um, <laughs> so like stuff like that. And she, she would also um, be kind of upset that I could never do anything with her, mm-hmm. um, which also is like a little bit of a regret and definitely something I've worked to repair since high school. But um, so there's definitely that side, but also I think, like my relationship with my teacher that got me into Juilliard basically um, or helped me get there is like, I still talk to him. He still helps me with basically everything violin related. And he's um, he'll, and his, and also his wife is like a pianist. She always accompanies me. So that's definitely a relationship that I'll value for 
the rest of my life. So, yeah, no, I like that. And that was an opportunity that that was open to you, you know, sort of looking future looking towards the future. What does your relationship with the violin and, and music have in store? Um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this recently, <laughs> actually. Um, I think when I, so when I first came to Columbia, I thought that I wanted to go into music, like have a career in music. Mm-hmm. Um, but that requires a lot of like competitions and like eight hours a day practicing, which I have experience with and I've done competitions and I've practiced that much and I don't think that's something I want to do. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you learn a lot in the short term, but for music, I would rather use it for something that would like actually benefit people rather than just like win things. Yeah. Um, and so music will probably be for me more of like something I can use to collaborate with other people, like maybe some teaching. Um, like I love playing in church and stuff like that um, and playing for people. Um, but I'll probably have a career in something else is what I'm thinking right now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I mean, the music industry is tough, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, a lot of cutthroatness in that. And so that makes sense. And, you know, maybe you've sort of reached that, that peak you've, you've come to Juilliard, you've practiced and you've, you've sort of overcome and, and conquered what you want to. And, and now you look for a new avenue of ex- exploration and a new hobby or a new career, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I like that because in so many relationships, sometimes we get too focused and, and we sort of restrict or limit ourselves to other opportunities and other relationships that can be just as beneficial or more beneficial than mm-hmm. the current relationship. Um, and obviously I can tell you, you've learned a lot in this, you know, this discipline of violin for you, maybe as sort of like a recommendation or, or a suggestion for people that are maybe trying to learn an instrument or people that are just beginning or, or maybe something that was really, or the biggest thing that you learned, what, what's something that you could share with the listeners to maybe encourage them? Mm, that's a good question. Like encourage them to like practice more or like encourage them. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, I think everyone knows you have to practice more. And I think, I mean, I heard that growing up in my, that didn't help me continue. You know, the, the term practice, I mean, maybe it did for you. The term practice more for me had a lot of trauma attached to it. And <laughs> so <laughs> the, the idea of just practicing more, I think is because everyone knows that everyone knows you have to put in the time, yeah. but you know, you had those discouraging moments. What's a recommendation for those listeners that could maybe help them not only in music, but I think it can be applicable outside of music and other relationships that a recommendation of how you were able to overcome those discouraging moments that could be beneficial for others. Yeah, this might sound, this might sound kind of bleak, but like, (laughs) I think um, as for like motivation advice, I think this was most applicable to me in my sophomore year where basically every day I had like scheduled down to the minute of like things that I had to do. And uh, 
yeah, weirdly enough, the most comforting thought for me is that, like, I would still be able to go to bed at night and, like, the day <laughs> will, like, I'll be able to rest. And so, like, and I knew that that year was temporary, too. And so I think I just kind of kept telling myself that, like, yeah, some of this isn't going to be that fun right now. But if I, like, keep going and pushing through it, then eventually I'll like get where I want to be. And it doesn't have to be perfect right now. Like every day I, I only had time to do three hours every day and I had to kind of like be okay with that. So Mm -hmm. I would just tell myself that I was going to focus for those three hours and accomplish what I could during those three hours. And if that wasn't enough to get me where I wanted to be, that was okay for now. Um, And so just kind of like staying positive, even when it can be overwhelming Um, and not like toxically positive, but just like, being at peace with what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, and I mean, yeah, I think that applies to every relationship, romantic, platonic, any type, you know, you have to be grateful and, and recognize what you can accomplish and, and move forward from that. Awesome. Well, well, thank you, Caroline. I I appreciated this conversation and, and your experiences and, you know, a little look into this high level musician, um, for those listeners that may want to um, continue to follow you later on in your career or life, is there somewhere where they could do that? Yeah, uh, my Instagram is durham.caroline. Should I spell it? I, if you want to, go for it. Okay, D-U-R-H-A-M um, dot C-A-R-O-L-I-N-E. Okay, perfect. And I bet the, maybe some listeners will follow you, maybe not. Um, but yeah, I, I know I thoroughly enjoy your posts on Instagram, specifically <laughs> when they include my friend and beloved John Patrick, <laughs> um, but, uh, I appreciate this conversation and I, I know the listeners have too. Um, I know that they've enjoyed listening and, and learning. And so for that, we're grateful And listeners, I just want to remind you to make sure you like and you comment and you share this episode, other episodes, create the community, and we will catch you next week.